Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Everybody, this is Trevor Davis, the wealth coach up here at TWA. Hope everybody is having an excellent week. As always, we're going to start off with the Albert Einstein quote, which is the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. Change is happening to you no matter what, whether you like it or not. And it is your responsibility to be the responsible captain of this change or the irresponsible victim of it. You can choose to face the reality of change, find out the ways that you can actually control change, or you can sit back and just let all this change happen to you in your own life, in your own body, in the world around you, act like you can't change anything, and just be the victim of change instead. So make sure that you're going to be the truly intelligent person and control change. You cannot control everything, but there are definitely things that you can control. And by focusing on the actual things that we can actually control is how we make significant, important changes. So I got a call recently, and it was a very, very nice, a very frank, candid style of discussion that was a direct question as to what holds people back from doing this. And I feel that there are different ways to approach this. And I'm going to discuss two. I'm going to discuss education on one side and motivation on the other. And as much as I wish motivation wasn't a factor, the reality is that motivation is a factor. Tremendously. That's why the motivational industry exists in the first place. It's not just something that's made up by the people themselves for no good reason. It's because people crave motivation and they crave encouragement when they don't get it from otherwise organic sources. So this person asked me over the phone, you know, what is that thing that's holding most people back? And While I addressed the motivation during this conversation, my focus was on the education. And as time has gone on and I've talked to more and more people, it really seems like the biggest issue is education. And when we start looking at the education levels, we're not just talking about high school attainment or even high school attendance at all or even elementary or junior high school completion, or getting a college degree, or getting a master's degree, or getting a doctorate, or whatever, or becoming a full-blown tenured professor at Harvard University. The education we're talking about is the financial education. You know, surprise, surprise, giving the content and focus of this show. The problem here is that the vast majority of Americans have little to no financial education. Most people are just sort of floating around on the mainstream current of stocks and 401ks and IRAs. That's 
what their parents talk about. That's what they heard when they were growing up. That's what they know. That's what they're exposed to. You can't do something that you don't know about, and you also don't know what you don't know. So let's let's focus on that for a second to reemphasize. You do not know what you don't know. There are some things that you know you don't know, like what is the specific mass of the sun in grams? I don't know that fact off the top of my head. I know I don't know that, but there are things that I don't know that I don't know, facts that I'm not even aware of and unknowns I'm not even aware of whatsoever. These unknown unknowns are things we can't take action on at all. We have no awareness of them being an issue at all. So when somebody is only familiar with stocks and 401ks and IRAs, and they don't know about something like real estate, they don't even know to look at it. They didn't even know it was even an option. And other effective investments out there, like effective business strategies for your own personal businesses, including restaurants if you wanted to be a cook and you wanted to own your own restaurant. There are many different ways to make money in the United States of America. So what seems to be holding people back, and that that's kind of a very colored, ego-based word. Um, you know, it's it's a very illustrative, very colorful term because it, it, it makes it seem like something is literally holding somebody back. Not necessarily physically, but it's keeping them from taking action. It's keeping them from getting financial independence that keeps them from being rich. We can put that out there. And I think that may be a little bit of an extreme term, but when people don't know outside options from stocks and they're getting the 6 to 7% rate of return average over the last 78 years, since 1945, since World War II ended, which is officially... Now, 78 years ago, because World War II finally ended, September 2nd, 1945. So here we are, 78 years and 11 days later. So we've been given a very specific map. And this map since World War II has been given to people because this is what people knew. This is what people were aware of. The vast majority of Americans were aware of. So this is a scenario in the post-World War II world as an American. You come back to the United States, the war is over, and your country has not been bombed out to crap. You've got an incredibly powerful industry, the core industry of the allied powers that drove the war was the United States industry. And when you see all of the machinery and all of the ammunition and the weapons that were shipped over to the Soviet Union, specifically during World War II, it will boggle your mind. And that's not even getting started on how much we sent over to the British as well. We sent a lot of stuff over. So you have a massive heavy industry and a massive economy on full blast, so how do you redirect it? Well, you start giving people jobs outside of the weapons manufacturing. Now you've got 
all these people that have enough dough to start affording houses. You start building a bunch of suburbs. You've got people that can afford cars. You start building a bunch of cars. This is a golden age of the American automobile industry. This is really the heyday of Detroit, for example, and the Midwest. And people are still not taught, though, how to start businesses because they're still coming from people that worked regular jobs. The government didn't come out of nowhere and say, hey, everybody, now that World War II has ended, we want to be even more prosperous than ever before. So we're actually going to teach everybody how to be financially independent and how to open your own business and how to do stuff like real estate to take advantage of these new houses being built. They didn't do that. And now we're kind of paying some of the consequences of that action, to say the least, which we'll expand on once we get back from the break post. Folks, I'm your host, Trevor Davis at TWA. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the TWA radio show talking about the post-World War II map. And it's significant for us to put that into a historical context because this map wasn't quite like this always. Um, I mean, look at people during the 1800s. You know, your map would have been, hey, maybe head out west, buy a whole bunch of land, work hard on your farm, and then retire on your farm, live with your kids, and then pass the farm off to your kids. And similar strategies earlier and earlier on. Um, And then that does start to break down as we start to go back to the medieval eras when it was basically just peasants and nobles and royalty, and there wasn't really a middle class to speak of. Um, We have to put it in the context of the modern middle class. And having a middle class has proven to be the most economically booming aspect of any modern nation. Like it or not, no matter what side of the economy you're on, you need a middle class. You need a transitional class that can connect the lower economic class to the highest economic class. You have to have a system that makes it possible for someone to go from the very bottom to the very top. And I think the ease of that system is where most people start to get into arguments because we have, you know, interests that want to protect their assets. They want to protect their capital. And I understand that. Um, You have people that take the social security network approach a little bit too far, I would say. And then you get your discussions about universal basic income. I mean, that's kind of a hard sale for a lot of folks, including myself. Um, And that's where it starts to get into very, very heavy politics, and that's not what I want to address on the show to that degree. Maybe in another context, absolutely. But we're talking about this map for the middle class. So the middle class is the most important. 
And they are the ones driving most spending, most house purchases, and being the workers for these, you know, big businesses run by the quote unquote upper economic class. And every person is playing their part in this system. And I understand that this middle class, by and large, might not have a lot of these jobs if there wasn't a person from this upper class creating this high this high value company. But the middle class also includes a lot of people that own their own businesses at the same time. So there's a good mix of employees and employers still in this middle class, mom and pop, store owners, and the like. But the thing is, the non-business owners have this following map since World War II. So it's basically free reign, economic boom, and like like it or not for a lot of people, I I don't know who needs to hear this, um, but based on the fact that you get to come to this country in 1945, 6, and then during the 50s, and you have this huge economy and incredibly cheap houses, that was the most fortunate and luckiest economic time to be alive in the U.S. Can we agree on that point? Because it has not gotten easier since. It's gotten harder since. I've talked about the house values and how they've changed relative to median income multiple times. But long story short, this was the golden age to be in the U.S. economically. It was the easiest time to buy stuff and invest and become wealthy, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So most people aren't still approaching it that way because now we're being given this map that, you know, sadly benefits not so much these middle class people, but a lot of the benefit is going and translating to the people in the upper class because when you invest in a 401k and IRA, you know, why do you think they make it hard for you to take your money out? And I I can see more of the argument that, you know, we've got to make sure that people are being responsible for their money because there's a lot of people that are straight up irresponsible with their money. Everybody's made mistakes, myself included. And including the richest people on pl- on the planet. Because if you think Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos haven't made any mistakes with their money, you're out of your mind. They've made tons of mistakes with their money. But they've obviously made a lot of better decisions that have proved way more profitable. So when we're looking through this map and we're being told that we need to invest in a 401k and IRA and it's hard to take your money out, That's benefiting the stock portfolio of the company first and foremost. You're getting an ancillary benefit from it. You're 6 to 7% maybe, but they get to boost their numbers and they get to look good to their stock board because they have all these employees that are part of this and that increases their stock value, which in theory is a win-win because hopefully you'd be part of that. Um, There are some companies out there that do co-ownership with their employees, and that seems to be a good thing because that seems to encourage proactivity of the employee towards the business to be a co-owner. So if that officially makes them an employee or a little bit something different, seems to be a good thing. 
I think a lot of companies would probably benefit from having a more active investment approach available to their employees that says, if you want to be a part of this, you need to understand that you're going to be a business owner as well, even if it's just a small part of a relatively huge company like Amazon. And that's to do with the volatility of being in that type of business. And guess what? If the business doesn't work and people like yourself aren't actually working hard when they're, they've are they got their skin in the game with this business and it tanks, well, guess what? You should lose your money. That's the point. That's the fire under your butt. That's the stick behind the donkey with the carrot being the reward of getting profit from owning partial piece of that business. That's always going to have to be there. There's always going to have to be risk to this stuff. And that does not mean it's gambling. This is a completely different world than gambling because gambling is random. And if you go to Las Vegas and if and if you think the house doesn't win, you're completely out of your mind too. The house always wins in Las Vegas. And once they started figuring out ways to crack down on the card counters, you can bet they jumped on that ASAP. How do you think a Las Vegas casino stays in business? You think they're paying out millions of dollars every single day to all these people that walk through the door or they're giving out a million dollars to one person every day? Not happening. The poor man's tax is called buying lottery tickets for a reason. Because you have a better chance of winning a Mega Millions. You have a better chance of getting struck by lightning seven times before winning a Mega Millions lottery in any state. But people will spend hundreds of dollars on it. How do you think the, how do you think the Texas lottery is profitable? Why do you think they would make it a business if not to be profitable? Okay, so how do you think they're making money when they have to give a $100 million payout? It's because that year they net they grossed hundreds of millions of dollars from people that want to put their hard-earned money into a gamble. I think human society is going to be a lot different once we get to a point where we don't gamble anymore. Sure, it's fun to a certain extent. If you're going to throw down like 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks, knock yourself out. But not if you're going to buy a gambling not if you're going to gamble every single day. That's not what investing is like, and that's not going to work out for 99.9999999% of people anyway. So bet on something that's probably going to work out. And that means opening a business or getting into some real estate. So getting back to this map, after World War II, they were telling people to work hard in high school. You've got these beautiful new schools and these new suburbs um, your kids need to make sure that they're working hard. Go to college. Now you've got these colleges that are taking in all these veterans, all these people for great deals. Um, the percentage of annual income that college tuition back then was much lower than it is today. Again, like that fact or not, that's the reality. It was way cheaper to go to college in the 50s and 60s than it is today. Then your goal is to get a high-paying job. You know, it's all about the money. You don't need to really focus on something you like because if it's paying enough, you're going to like it anyway, aren't you? Not exactly. That's usually not how it works. It really doesn't work for the vast majority of people. So you don't really like engineering. You don't really 
You can't really stand it, but your dad did some engineering. Um, your mom did some engineering. They work at a job similar to that, so that's what you know. You're familiar with that. They encourage you to do that, and you get into it even though you don't like it, and now you're at a job that makes a lot of money, but you're unhappy. You're miserable. You hate doing this work. So at this job, you climb the corporate ladder. You kiss the boss's butt. You work office politics. You go to events on the weekends when you know you're, you don't want to be in the office you don't want to be talking with your coworkers, but you go anyway because you know that's going to score points and show face and get you a promotion. Then, of course, you're saving in an IRA or 401k because that's what they push onto you. But moreover, your parents pushed it onto you. Your teachers in school pushed it onto you. All your coworkers pushed it onto you. And it's called an investment. They say it's an investment. And you decide to put your money into this. But, of course, they're not going to emphasize the fact that you can't really hold on to your own money or take it out at will without getting penalized. They just say, hey, this is what you should do. This is the best thing for you. Um, we're going to continue expanding on the post-World War II map as we go through today's show. More details of the map to follow at the halfway point. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. All right, everybody, we're at the halfway point with the TWA radio show, Wednesday show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. So let's go ahead and do our stock update um, because you always hear, you know, little blurbs, like including when the show, before the show starts, that talks about, you know, a couple ups or maybe downs numbers wise. Um, as always, I'm emphasizing the context of the whole year to show the year long trend. So we have a true understanding, well, a better understanding at the very least, because you definitely want to look at a bit more than just year to date. But Dow Jones trending down. Um, they've been in the red since the end of 2022. And with the 4.52% gain year to date, with the losses last year, they're at negative 4.26%. And S&P is at 17.57% with last year's losses. They're, they're now still in the red at negative 0.54%. Um, they were in the red back in August 16th. Um, that was the last live show I did due to work events on Wednesdays. And then NASDAQ is at 39.76%. So they're netting with the losses from 2022 a 6.79%. Which you know, which is very convenient because numbers-wise for me, because when we talk about the historical stock market return average combined with average inflation, it hits the six to seven percent. So we we still have to hack off our right around three percent inflation. It, last graph I looked at yesterday said three point two, because the inflation is constantly making your money get weaker. And we always need some inflation because that encourages people to not sit around on their money 
like in deflationary scenarios. Um, apparently, Costa Rica has about a 3.4% deflation rate right now. So if you've got a Costa Rican you know, currency and a Costa Rican bank account, you're going to be effectively getting that 3.4% rate of return automatically for doing nothing, um, which is cool. But that means that it's going to be a little more difficult for them to encourage people to invest. And it's probably still fine because you'd probably want to make a bit more than 3.4% to say the least. So stock market ups and downs, stock market woes. Um, that's just the name of the game for the average American. The stress of dealing with the stock market is ruining people's psychological health. Um, I got to stock, talk to someone very recently that's very much into stocks and had a lot of technical questions, good questions about the numbers that we talk about and discuss in real estate um, and got extremely technical with them, you know, to the point where I was just basically rehashing what I'd already said. Um, but it's just very interesting seeing, for lack of a better term, stock people face to face, um, because these are not the people that seem to be in a calm, steady state of mind. I mean, these are people that seem very, very stressed out. Um, there, there just seems to be something going on there that makes you feel concerned. And I always mention this, you know, I'm biased being in real estate, so I guess I just have not ever come across someone that's been a massive success in stock market organically. And, you know, they can actually share information that could be helpful for other people. But it's just the people that talk about stocks always seem to be stuck in the circle of concern that Stephen Covey talks about. Because win or lose in the stock market, it wasn't in your control. That's why we categorize it as gambling, because you can't have the knowledge and insider trading knowledge to make a true, reasonable, rational decision. That's not allowed. And some people get caught doing it. When I talk about Martha Stewart as an example, but there's a lot of ways that people that are in the know get away with it. So the people that are already connected and deeply connected into the financial sector are often the ones taking advantages, taking the biggest advantages out of the stock market when they hear about a big product release coming out that the public doesn't know about. You know, as most people in the middle class are not intimately connected to the highest echelons of these companies, you know, they're only going to hear what's related to them on the news. Like, oh, um, Tesla's coming out with a new car model. It's going to be very cost effective. It's going to have the highest range out of any of their electric vehicles. It's the exact size and model that people have been wanting and begging for. They're going to be releasing tons of them. Everybody's super excited about it. You know, you heard that on the news. So do you really think that there are not people 
that heard about this way before, like this product just appeared out of thin air. There were the people that built the, created the design, the lines of the exterior of the car. I mean, it's the engineers that had to design all the subsystems, the people that had to finance the project itself, account for it. That's that's some private knowledge that people could take advantage of to make their own investment decisions, maybe for just their own company. But if you're in the know about stuff like that, you're probably somebody that's in the know about a whole lot of their stuff and other scenarios and other companies. But that insider knowledge is technically illegal to have. But a lot of people do it anyway, as I'm sure most of y'all understand. So back to this map. To save in an IRA and 401k that mainly benefits the company, then you work for 40 plus years because we have this idea that you retire at a certain age. And the more and more I learn about retirement, I don't see retirement as even being a real thing. I mean, You'd have to work a whole lot straight through for decades to really get to a point where for the rest of your life, you know, 15, 20 years, you truly did not want to work anymore. And if you were working that hard the whole time and you weren't balancing yourself that whole time, you're probably not going to be the person that created the right financial plan to slack off for 15 to 20 years in the end of your life anyway. You're trying to find the balance not at age 60 or age 65 or 70. Your goal is to find that balance as soon as humanly possible and way before traditional retirement age. But most people are going to be doing this on this map and they're going to be working for 40 plus years because someone is going to, for example, graduate from college, you know, get into the workforce at age 22. They got that degree. They became an engineer. They work for 40 years. They work for, I mean, if they are going to live 80 years, that's half their entire life working for somebody else's business. So let's think about that too for a second. What could be a more crystal clear proof of the fact that businesses and not jobs are the way to make money than the fact that if you get a job, you're working for a business that has so much freaking money that they can pay you $100,000 as an engineer or more, and that's just a fraction of what they actually make from you. That's what they can literally afford to pay you on top of all the profits that they actually make, of all the income streams that come into the business. They can pay you 120000 That's not your value. That is not your actual contribution to the business. And I'm not saying, because I understand why that has to be the case, I'm not saying that you should be paid the total actual economic impact to the business because that would, it doesn't seem like that would make businesses work anymore. I understand that. And that's a very detailed economic discussion, but that's that's the wrap-up in a nutshell. I wish that could have been the case, 
but I understand why it's not. So let's just say that you're going to make 120000 That's not exactly what your total economic impact to the company is. But if that's the case, how much is your total economic impact to the company? You know, what is the total net worth of this company? What is the total income stream for this company? If you looked at the accounts, you'd probably be baffled even if it's a small business. And then finally, for doing all that for somebody else's business, you made somebody else rich. They profited massively off of your contribution and your work many times over. Then you retire. Retirement being the idea that you can enjoy your time without working. And then I read an article yesterday that talked about retirement strategies and not let's get financially independent way before we're retired strategies, but hey, I screwed up. I don't have any retirement savings. What am I supposed to do then in retirement? Retirement strategy. We're going to discuss what this article talked about once we get back because retirement ends up not being the retirement that most people wanted anyhow for a bunch of different issues that we'll discuss. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back with the TW Radio Show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of today's Wednesday radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up here at TWA, talking about a fresh retirement strategy article. And this was a not a good article in the sense that this is not a positive, you know, this is the best way to get yourself to your quote-unquote retirement age goals. This is a letter from somebody sent in on um it, it it was on my edge browser um and through the Microsoft news app and it was talking about hey I'm 63 I don't have any retirement savings is it quote too late to start investing at this stage of the this late in the game and it sucks because there's only so much that you can say to a person in this situation. And it sucks to have to be the wet blanket about this and really bring some harsh realities down about this. Because if your plan is to retire on Social Security, your plan is to retire on the average Social Security payment monthly of just over $1,700. So you're going to get Social Security. Um, Don't worry about that because that's going to be there for you, for me, for 
you, for your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your uncle, aunt, everybody, uh, for the foreseeable future. And if you're going to have that as your sole source of income, the 1700 a well, let me let me round it up because it was like 1783. So let's say it's 1800 a month. That's going to lead you to $21,600 a year. So your retirement plan is to live off of government-funded subsidies to you because everyone paid into this system and a lot of people died before they could even get to that age. Don't forget that part about Social Security because the deaths of people that have paid into it funds the fact that you can actually get anything out of it. Because like it or not, if every single person made it to that age, all you'd be getting each month was what you paid each month for it. That couple hundred dollars. The reason that it's going to be 1800 is because a lot of these people pass away. And then you have this opportunity to have more money given to you. And I'm sure there's a couple other reasons why, but that's one of the most shocking that I know of. That's the most shocking that I know of um, to keep in mind, to say like, hey, I want my retirement strategies to be a part of this death contract that says, hey, for those that survive, you're going to get this little breadcrumb handout from the U.S. government. So the combination out of this comes from the fact that if you add on the 170000 in median savings, people are going to end up with about 2800 a month. So multiply that by 12, and they're going to live, they're going to have a lifestyle in retirement. The, the thing that they worked for this entire time for 40, 50 years, this is what they retired for. This is what they were waiting for, a $33,600 a year lifestyle. $33,600 a year. And I understand that the tax stipulations are much, much smaller, um, negligible at that point. Um, I get it. It's not going to hack off that, you know, 10, 15%. Okay, but 10, 15% of $33,600 is already not a whole lot. Your plan is to retire on the income of someone earning $33,600 a year. That's your plan. Or worse, $20,000 a year. You know, no wonder a lot of people become dependent on their kids. I'm not apologizing for the fact that I don't want my kids to send me a dang, dang dime when I'm retired. I don't have kids yet. Um, I'm 31 years old. I don't plan to have kids soon. Um, for multiple reasons, many of them straight up economic and sanity related. And that's no judgment against anybody my age or younger that decided to take that, take that plunge and make that decision. That's your business. That's your responsibility. And I know that I am not prepared to make that call yet. But I will someday, 
And when I get to my quote unquote retirement age, and we try to avoid the use of the term retirement because it doesn't make any sense. It's like, you're going to want to do something. So we need to stop pretending like we're not going to want to work or we're not going to want to do active, cool stuff that helps and serves other people. Um, this whole concept is topsy-turvy. It's making people go mad because it doesn't make any sense when they think about it, but it's what everybody's doing. And it's a whole lot easier as the sheep to follow the flock, to follow the herd. It's hard to break away from it. You're safe with the pack. You're protected to a certain degree. Everybody's saying the same stuff. Everybody is agreeing with this stuff. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel a little calm, even though you still have these doubts at the back of your mind because you're an intelligent human being and you know in your gut when something is wrong. And that's why people who are stuck in stressful situations in the circle of concern, even if they've done everything in their power to convince themselves it's the right decision, they're going to get stressed out because a part of them knows it's wrong. Your gut knows it's wrong. And when your gut is being ignored, it doesn't ignore its ability to mess with your health. It does not ignore its ability to mess with your body. So the financial aspect in education in America is extremely lacking, to put it politely. Because the financial education in America is leading people to a conclusion of their lives on breadcrumbs, on income levels between twenty dollars to $33,000 a year. And then you have financial advisors that try their best to help someone that says, I don't have financial savings at 63 And then they say, hey, well, you should probably expect to work part-time in retirement. What does that mean? You're retired, but you're still working. So you're not retired. Retirement's definition involves not working anymore. So just because you don't have a part-time job, the fact that you still have to work proves that you're not retired. You're not retired, if, even if it's a part-time job. Even if it's a, a job you enjoy, that, that's great. But if you are dependent on that job for your income and you are well into your 70s and 80s, because I've seen people in their 80s still working, and I know you have too, that's not retirement. Something very wrong happened to that person. And I'm not saying that everybody's going to be unhappy and miserable in that scenario. Um, Kudos to those people that are completely content in that life. Um, But that's not me personally. I I can say that, yeah, I can find peace in any scenario. I would hope so um, and practice that ego discipline. But when it comes down to it, I'm a human being with a human body, and that human body does not live for free. I got to pay someone to make me food. I've got to pay someone for the taxes on my house that I'm going to want to live in. Or if I rent somewhere, which is definitely not part of my plan for my retirement, I'd be paying someone to rent. I'm going to be paying the doctors to take care of my body as I get older. And if your plan is to rely on Medicare or Medicaid, well, 
have fun with that because you're probably not going to be getting the best treatment that you deserve after working so long. And I'm sure that is not the most nuanced take on that. I'm sure there's a lot of details that go into saying, hey, that could probably work for some people. But that's the emergency bill paying system for people that cannot afford to get their bills medically paid in retirement. You don't want to be dependent on Medicaid, Medicare, any more than you want to be dependent on Social Security. So at the end of the day, if all this stuff does not detour you, if the idea of sitting around living off of $20,000 a year is fine to you, then you can ignore this radio show. You can ignore Steve's radio show. You can go on with your life doing the thing that all these other Americans are doing. But the reason that people are suffering is because this map does not work. The reason that we give out different advice is because we know this map doesn't work. And we use and have seen the results of taking a different map and using a different map that involves opening a business, sustaining your business, or getting a portfolio of real estate that meets and exceeds your wants and needs. So folks, you really have to start taking a serious look at real estate. If you want to take my class and meet me personally, we'll have the class tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. TotalWealthAcademy.com forward slash class anytime. I will see you all next Wednesday on the radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. You'll have a great rest of your week. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.